My name is Sarah, your host for today, and I have Dr. Judith Cardenas here with me today as well. And we're going to be taking a deeper dive into a recent webinar that we that we had um, titled "Learn How to Build a High-Performing Innovative Team During Challenging Times." Uh, so, thank you so much for joining me today, Judith. Thank you, thank you, Sarah, and I'm just thrilled to be here and to sh just you know, share more insights and learn more with you. Great. And so we've, we've actually done this together before, Judith and I, but for any new listeners that we have with us today, could you just share a little about who you are and how you got here, what you do, a little bit about your background to get people familiarized with you? Sure. So I own a small consulting firm called Strategies by Design, and we focus on helping organizations become more agile and innovative, especially in the midst of this changing world. Uh, you know, we started off as a leadership development company at the beginning, and then we quickly found that, uh, you know, right before COVID, uh, that things were changing fast and we just needed to shift a bit. So we've really been focusing on helping teams and leaders gather knowledge and how to uh, design these high-performing teams as the world keeps changing and moving around us. Yeah, and so this recent webinar we did together on building a high-performing team uh, during these challenging times. For anybody who you know didn't attend the session, uh, the webinar session with us, and a recap for those that did, can you just let us know what were the key takeaways for the registrants at that event? So I think the key takeaways is based not only in our research and the studies we've been doing, but you know, with the number of years that we've been working with teams is that we've seen a shift that we have seen organizations do one and done, kind of building their teams. And we were recognizing that uh, teams were dynamic. They were very human-centric. And we found that those organizations who focused on strength-based team design tend to outperform, outperform those that weren't. So one of the key takeaways that we had is, you know, having a human-centered design approach to team design, focusing on everyone's strengths, not trying to find a coach or a program to help fill a gap, because some, sometimes you can't make someone something they're not. And I think the most uh, challenging item that we keep running into is that how much culture influences people their behaviors, their actions, their motivators. And oftentimes it's that culture element that often gets missed. Uh, and I think the last takeaway I would say is that we all aren't just one thing. We're just not our personality, but we're our energy and we're, our, uh, we're motivated differently. We are rewarded differently. We tend to value different things. And so for leaders to understand themselves and the diversity of their teams, we believe that's really key in designing a high-performing team. Yeah, and, and everyone on a team, you know, brings their own unique perspective. And, and even change itself can be difficult for team members. It is. I mean, uh, yesterday I just redid an assessment. I won't say what it is. <laughs> and I, you know, I can see the shift that I've even had uh, just as I'm leading my company or am I leading the team versus when I was working inside an organization that was just churning all the time. My personality was different. I expressed different behaviors in different ways. But there's some beauty in that. You just kind of need to help the leader find that beauty in that in that space. Yeah. And so what do you what changes do you see happening that are in the L and D space right now? A lot. We see a lot of changes with artificial intelligence popping up. Uh, I think everyone has heard about Chat GPT and this enormous uptake of uh, having a 
one AI element system that will give people some uh, instant feedback or data that they can actually use to shift how they approach work. Uh, we're seeing learners change. Uh, we're seeing learners more comfortable with small bits of micro-learning than they are with a PowerPoint slide deck. Uh, we see learners wanting just-in-time information. So how do we get that in front of the learner fast enough before a session, after a session to cement that learning? Uh, and we're seeing a lot of shifts on helping teams and leaders work with technology. So those, I think those are the main uh, shifts we're seeing. And it's a lot, and it's happening very, very fast. Yeah, and I'm sure it's having a major effect on, on the market. And are you seeing that? Yes, we're seeing uh, we're seeing some interesting data come out from different um, organizations, and uh, you know, after the pandemic, we did we did see organizations who were just struggling to find people to begin with, and now there's the question on the table is, do we automate? And if we automate, how does that work? You know, and if we automate, does that displace a worker? And uh, if we automate, how does a worker work with the technology in a different way to optimize the business process? So we're seeing lots of changes um, just from a business perspective. From an L&D perspective, what compounds the issue or the challenge is that talent is tight. You want to optimize your talent. And we see people not staying inside organizations for a long time. So it's what can we do to, to encourage them, to build them up, uh, to help them build each other and the organization yeah, we're seeing lots of change. It's just, and as, as I said before, it's just happening so fast. Um, the goal is to try to stay ahead of it. So, <laughs> And with all of these changes and, and things that are happening, what exciting things are you up to next? So we are launching a number of very cool micro learning programs uh, around GPT and how do, you, how do you use it, how do you maximize it, and a whole series of AI courses that are really there to democratize AI. I think what we're finding is that people use the term AI pretty loosely, but they don't know exactly what it is and what it can and cannot do and when you should use it and when maybe you shouldn't use it. Uh, so we have a, an entire series, uh, AI series for leaders that's going to be launched out. Uh, and we're also helping organizations and teams in particular work around a customer journey and a experience journey to understand where AI could really optimize that customer experience. Uh, so we're very excited. The AI space is growing very, very fast. There's not something new that we don't learn on a daily basis, but we're trying to walk the walk and talk the talk and use AI inside our business as well as on our business. So, and with our business uh, offerings. So those are the exciting, and we're very excited about it. Yeah, I'm sure like a big question for people is, you know, what opportunities come with the AI, but also the concerns and maybe some ethical challenges that that come along with that as, as well. There's tons of ethical challenges that and legal and regulatory and compliance challenges when you really think about it. First, there's like the normal challenge of the way of work is shifting, which is a very different bias that someone like walks in and says, that's not how I do my job. That's not how the job is done. And now you're seeing a, a robot or some kind of AI element doing it for you. So that's one shift. But we do have lots of deep discussions with organizations who are worried about privacy, data privacy. Uh, who owns my data? How is it going to be used? Am I tracked? Um, also, as well as if the AI element is not designed from a human-centered approach, you know, can it manipulate? 
can manipulate someone or something. And this, are there internal biases already built into the, the AI element itself? So we're seeing, as you can imagine, lawsuits, and we're seeing uh, big discussions about the ethical implications of AI. Uh, we're seeing them all around the world. So the UK is probably in the, the mist by the time this gets uh, broadcast out of actually passing an AI act so that companies who actually use AI have to follow certain criteria to ensure you and I that our privacy is safe, that our data is safe somewhere. Uh, and for those of us who may think, oh, that's across the, the pond, that's on the other side of the water, so many companies work with organizations across the pond and across the, the water. And, um, and so it's really important to understand what regulations they have to follow because it will impact or implement or infect, uh, uh, impact us. And then we're seeing certain states, so interesting, California, for example, is passing AI laws, asking organizations to put specific privacy language on their websites. And uh, if you're going to collect data, what are you going to use it for? And um, not only cookies, but you're like, where is my data going? And can I opt out if I need to opt out? So lots of, I think, concerns and churns, but I think there's also lots of opportunities for us as we're leading organizations and teams. Yeah. And then just kind of bringing this back in to the webinar a little bit, we compiled the top comments and questions that we had from the audience so we can uh, kind of dive a little bit deeper in into that that we weren't able to, to touch um, on as much during our webinar that we had. So the first question here is, why is culture so important? So the way I like to describe culture to leaders is that culture is for me, it's like a fabric. And when the fabric is worn or torn or is ready to, you know, the, the threads of the material is ready to just break off, it doesn't have the capacity to really continue to grow and sustain that growth. Uh, culture is interesting. Uh, I've often asked myself, am I walking into a culture or does the culture impact and influence me? And it's still a question I still struggle with as a professional and, and coaching individuals. But I think culture is important, but I would say culture needs is changing. And with that, it's like, how do you design a new culture now that embeds both technology and people? Like, that's a different kind of culture that we haven't really <laughs> talked about in here. So I think culture is really, really important. We know people can tell me when it's a toxic culture. People can tell me when they're burned out. People can tell me when uh, it's hierarchical and it's low. Uh, but very few people can describe to me what a good culture looks like, which is really, really interesting. So we think culture is king. We think culture does eat strategy for breakfast. I believe that was someone's quote out there. And we do believe that uh, culture is really not only about a feeling, but it's really about how the organization operates and how they respect the employees and the people that they serve. So I think it's pretty important. I think it's a, a, a topic that I don't think one workshop, type of culture workshops will really fix anything. But I do think that as we find people who are leading new teams or they're being hired at a higher level or they even start their own companies, we often like to have the culture conversation. What kind of culture do you want to create? How are you going to create it? And how do you not get almost sucked back into the old habits of the organization. 
So uh, we recently worked with a team who had a brand new team member. He had been there two weeks. He was so excited. And we did a culture assessment with the team. And he was the outlier. And he couldn't figure out why he was the outlier. So our goal is to redo the assessment in the next month or so to see if he stays the outlier. He's new. He's fresh. He has bright ideas. He's, he's so energetic. Or if he shifts to the exact culture of the team. So we don't know if he's going to influence the team or the team will influence him. So I'll let you know when we find that. That's, that's, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. And it's so easy too to fall back into our old habits and, and, and um, you know, to really make that change in your culture when it's needed. It is. I mean, it, I mean, let's face it. We're human beings. We don't like change. Yeah. Our, and our brain isn't really structured for change. Our brain is structured to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves safe. Uh, and change feels uneasy. And especially change in uncertain times feels even scarier. So, yeah, we fall back into the old habits, the old ways, the old reactions. And those, those habits are, are hard to change. But we believe <laughs> we, have, we can influence them. And what about your approach? How does your approach to high-performing teams differ? We do a couple of different things that we believe is, is quite different. Uh, we look at things from a team approach versus an individual approach. So I would say the first four or five years of our company, we were hired to do individual coaching. I need an executive coach. I, need, I have a new leader. They need a coach. And we would coach them and they would talk about their teams <laughs> to us all the time. But we never worked with their teams. as We never coached the teams as cohesive teams that, that, that coach, uh, that we can coach together. Uh, we provide assessment tools that give everyone the how and where and what motivates a person, but that they can understand the language that they need to use and how they need to communicate with each individual member. We also measure people's energy. It's, uh, it's amazing uh, to find teams where I have to go back to the CEO and I said, did you hire yourself 10 times? Because y'all have the exact same, everything. Same personality, same behavior, same motivators, and same energy. And she was like, wow, no one ever asked me that. But now that I think about it, we are almost like all the same. <laughs> so I think energy is really important as we're starting to bring in a newer, younger generation into the workplace. Their energy is different. They get... Uh, they do work differently. And, and I think we saw this when we had a lot of remote workers during COVID. And people were just like, I need to see the person. I don't know what they're doing. Like, there was a lot of trust issues that came about. And, and you know, so someone could do work at 2 a.m. and get it done. And others, you know, how do you keep this, you know, 9 to 5 kind of job? So we do measure energy. We measure motivators. Uh, we measure culture as it relates to each individual, how they see themselves fitting into the culture and how they influence the culture. And we do that for a, a longer period of time. So our goal is not to do a one and done type of workshop. Our goal is really to understand the dynamics of the culture and then to shift and coach them in a way that it helps them build on their strengths and understand, oh, maybe today I need Sarah because Sarah's the innovator on in our team, but she doesn't work on my immediate team. She works on another team. So maybe it's okay for me to like connect with hers because I need that skill set on this project. 
So we really try to teach them also how to break the barriers. Uh, most organizations we work with are very siloed still. They work within their own little team. Uh, and oftentimes organizations cannot thrive in that way anymore. So we also focus on something we call sense making, where when there's a challenge or a problem, we often um, have the team and the leader make sense out of it. Where's the information? Who else has that information? Is there someone else experiencing the exact same thing two buildings over or the night shift versus the day shift or uh, our remote workers versus people who are in the office? How do you make sense of the challenges that you're really seeing? And not necessarily only with data, but with you know real stories that people can tell you in real time. So we do try to implement some of the newer leadership elements around sense-making, uh, team dynamics, um, and culture you know, creation. So that's how we do it a little bit differently. And we do tend to spread. We do have two behavioral scientists on our team, so we do tend to spread some behavior science uh, aspects of why people don't want to change. <laughs> why change is hard. How do you create a habit? You know, those things. Uh, so that's our, that's our approach. To yeah, and then... And why do some initiatives fail faster than others when it comes to building teams? So we see a couple of, of things. We do see that, um, again, culture is hard to, to change, and people tend to naturally want to push away from that particular change. And we have seen, so you know, we hear terms like fail fast. Well, what does that mean, to fail fast? And it's really like building that culture that's psychologically safe, that if you don't you tried something that didn't work, you're not going to get reprimanded for that. So we see cultures more nimble when they tend to embrace failure as a piece of data. And when we see these teams also embrace um, speed almost as just a normal way of, of, of working. And so I would say that's not the norm that we find. So we find most of our companies who are either going through an ERP, there's a new computer system coming down, there's a new mandate from Congress that might be impacting how we do work, they don't do well. They tend to have people who say, that's not the way we do it, you know, we've been doing it this way, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's not only about size, it's really about mindset. So teams, I think, they have a more agile mindset, agile way of thinking, agile approaches tend to just move a bit faster and they bounce. They're more resilient uh, and they tend to celebrate failures and successes, not just successes. So I think, I think those, those are our, our major elements. And when you walk into a team, you can feel it. They talk differently to each other. Their energy is different. They don't even need to be in the same city. It's just really interesting to watch. But they all have this laser focus of what the goal is but they all get to the goal in a different way and their leader allows them to do that. Uh, and I would, I think when you walk into a team like that, you can feel it. So it's just a, it's an amazing experience. So I think you have, you work in a team like that. So yeah. I, I, you do. Uh, yeah. Your boss seems to be very supportive and every team member I've met uh, in this organization, they, they're focused on their goals, serving their clients and each other but there's so, so much energy. Is that what you see? It is. I actually, you know, I think it's a really great team that we, that we have established here where you, you have the, the freedom to have your opinions and, you know, get to see your thoughts and ideas really play into action, which I think is really cool. 
I think that's very cool. I think I would I would consider y'all a high performing team. So you're you're an example for us. So I think it's uh, so yes. Yeah, so I just uh, I love it. I love that energy. And I, the other thing I love about your team is you're very diverse, age wise, background, the experience and expertise you bring in is all different. It's, it doesn't come from one space. So I'm I'm very impressed. I have to say. That's a great compliment. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, why, thank you. <laughs> and then, so what about, what is the number one facing, number one issue facing leaders as it relates to building high-performing teams? So I would tell you today my answer is different than what it was when I actually did the webinar. I would say today the number one issue in building teams is how do you build them in this changing technology landscape? Um you know, when we talked earlier a little bit about ChatGPT and some of the AI apps, to think that there's like 10 million users already of, of, a, of a technology that wasn't in existence a month ago after what I talked to you. So there's something going on very rapidly. Um, and so for a leader to actually grasp and make sense of what's going on and then create the right culture to allow their team to be what we call uh, digital dexterity. They like the ability to try new technologies and try, they move forward towards technologies. And I, I actually grew up inside organizations where every time we were going to have a new tech tool, it was like, oh no, (laughs) no, this is not going to happen. And so that kind of organization can't survive anymore. So I think there's a lot of challenges for CEOs and team leaders and new people who are getting into the, the market space where the technology is moving so fast uh, that if you don't work alongside of it, you won't survive. I don't think it will take over your job, but I do think it's going to ask and require a higher level of creativity and innovation and critical thinking than it did a year ago. And that's scary to say a year ago, because that's just a very short period of time. I think those are probably the biggest challenges for them and biggest opportunities at this exact same time. I think that's so true when you put a new platform or technology or something in front of a company and then people panic. It's like the resistance because it's it's something new and different that it puts you out of your comfort zone. It makes you uncomfortable um, to have to learn something different. It does. And then, you you know, you had that. Like I, I ran into somebody who I said, why did you retire? And very, a young person actually. And they're like, oh, we were going to have a new tech, tech system put in. And I just couldn't go through it again. And I'm like, okay, she had gone through three, you know, in her career. Uh, and she was done. And so when you mix that technology shift, aging population, multiple generations in the workplace, and then organizations that just can't even find people anymore it's like a perfect storm. And so the goal is how do you find the beauty and the opportunity in that storm uh, without it actually being daunting to you? And that's not an easy task at all, but I would say it's one that's worth, it's a journey worth traveling. It really is. Yeah. And then our last audience question today is how does this topic connect you to your focus on AI and innovation? So what we're seeing is that you cannot have digital disruption or digital transformation without having people transformation. 
And I think people go in there at it one or the other. So I'm either listening to a webinar on how to transform teams, or I'm listening to a webinar on how AI transform your workplace. And what I'm going to say is both have to happen at the same time. And so for us, it was a perfect match and a perfect fit that you cannot have organizations to be innovative unless they understand how to embrace these new technologies, but also how to build up their own skill set and capabilities. We're reading more and more that even the soft skills are actually going to change and how we define them. Uh, how you actually talk to a bot is just as important as, as how the bot responds back to you. But none of us were ever taught how to talk to a bot. I didn't take that course in college. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you did, Sarah, but I didn't. <laughs> so lots of changes and shifts there. But it, it, to us, it was a perfect blend. It was the perfect timing uh, for that. And we just, we find the times so exciting. We don't know, we can't even imagine what the future is going to be like. Uh, we were reading the other day where, I can't remember which company was, uh, I believe in Australia. Yes, they use a drone to actually deliver your food when you order. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'm just like, that would just freak me out if that happens. <laughs> but, but it could. Yeah, we have driverless cars and we've got things happening. So uh, I think everybody needs to stay in touch with HRDQ because things are coming in there. So <laughs> I, I think, and that's where the match is. It's exciting uh, for us. But we're also seeing organizations really struggle by saying, not in my backyard, you know, we're not going to do this. Um, and, you know, we, we, we worry. We worry about higher ed. We worry about organizations. Are we training people in the right way? Uh, how do we upskill, side skill? Uh, so many things are shifting. So it just felt like a, it was a good connection for us. It didn't feel like a big gap or a big jump or leap. But if we do focus on digital transformation, we really need to focus on people transformation. Can't have one without the other. Great. And and before we end our conversation today, Judith, where can people go learn more about your work? Sure. So you can come to our website at www.strategiesbydesigngroup.com or you can look me up on LinkedIn at Dr. Judith Cardenas. Um, you know, please feel free to connect with me there. And we would just love to connect and keep the conversation going. Well, great. Well, thanks to all of our listeners for joining in today. And I look forward to having you join me next week for our next podcast. Thanks, everyone.